It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Steve Hedrick, Chairman, President, and CEO of AVN Corp. based in South Charleston, West Virginia. AVN delivers market-driven innovation, research, technical engineering, and technology commercialization for the chemical, energy, environmental, and advanced software sectors. Steve has more than three decades of broad-based leadership experience with more than 20 years of experience in the petrochemical industry, leading businesses, chemical manufacturing, and health safety, environment, and quality. Prior to AVN, he held numerous roles of increasing responsibility at Lyondell and the Bear Corporation, and has had multiple regional and global teams to improve business results, reliability, and safety systems. His entry into the chemical industry followed service as an officer in the United States Army. A native of West Virginia, Steve holds a BS in chemical engineering from the United States Military Academy at West Point. Steve Hedrick, welcome into the corner office. Thanks so much, Brent. Uh, stoked to be here with you and uh, hopeful that we can spend a few minutes t- together today to uh, bring some benefit to your listeners. See what oh, we can do. Oh, gosh. So exciting, Steve. And, you know, we met about, gosh, I guess six, seven months ago now. Uh, one of our moon moonshotters, I guess, or our fellow moonshotter, we had a chance to meet in August and in the UK, had a wonderful time there and uh, just learned so much about you know, different companies and opportunities to grow the business and, and very, very excited to hear how your career has, you know, benefited not just from, you know, obviously that conference and your association with that organization, but the other things that you've done. Our, our listeners, of course, tune in to, to really kind of figure out how they might, you know, want to be in the, uh, the, the corner office someday. Excellent. We like to start in the beginning and, and that's kind of where things all began for you. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your early years, uh, Early family life, mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Oh, cool. Thanks for that. That's that's a great question, right? Great way to start. Uh, I uh, I'm a kid born of Appalachia, right? Uh, in the United States, for those who might be listening internationally, it's uh, yeah. it's uh, uh, in the coal fields uh, of West Virginia, eastern uh, Kanawha County, um, in a place called Kelly's Creek, which <laughs> you wow. shouldn't know where it is. If you do, you're yeah. wrong. But uh, <laughs> that's where uh, that's where. Uh, we got our start in a place called Cedar Grove. Uh, my my dad was in the, the coal industry, coal and industry, right? uh, yeah, my mother focused on uh, bringing along my two sisters and I, and uh, 
and we made our way, right? Yeah. What did your dad do in the coal industry? He did everything in the coal industry. Yeah. He, he was a miner and progressed wow. through to, uh, to help uh, run part of uh, the railroad for, for the coal company he was associated with. He did a lot of different, uh, yeah. a lot of different gigs for them. Right. And uh, he uh, was a foreman. I can remember, I can remember these different jobs uh, that, that he did and um, had, pretty positive influence over the people that he worked with, uh, as I recall, and uh, from talking to them and, uh, but, uh, but it was good. Right. And he was working with, uh, you know, the, the parents or the dads of all my pals, right. Uh, right the small right. school yeah, in which uh, I was in because yeah. they all, they, they were all uh, vocationally, uh, focused on the same thing, right. Uh, in large right. part right. Uh, to work yeah. in the coal industry uh, where we were. And mom was stay at home. You mentioned two sisters. Where, where are you in the pecking order? Are you the oldest, the youngest, in the middle? So my oldest sister would call me the baby. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'm the youngest. I have two older sisters, uh, fantastic both. Uh, both progressed in uh, their life journey as uh, school teachers, right? Uh, oh, cool. And yeah. uh, my, my oldest sister is uh, uh, continuing as a, a chemistry teacher in a local high school. Uh, sister uh, who's closest in age to me was a biology teacher, and uh, right. she's, she's since retired, but uh, – um, both of them uh, had had that calling, right, to influence kids uh, in a positive way uh, in their journey. So, and they stayed uh, in the, they stayed in the region as well in, in, in West Virginia, or do they move on? To yeah, yeah. My uh, my oldest sister um, actually never lived outside of West Virginia. My um, my uh, again my my sister, who's closest in age to me, lives in the state of Kentucky uh, mm-hmm. with her husband. Right? They've they've uh, they've had families along the way, and, and their children are. Uh, somewhat scattered, right? Uh, across as, as kids will do, they, they move right, and they're making right. their own lives and, and doing their thing. Um, and it's, uh, but really proud of them, proud of them both. They've had great influences, great, uh, mm-hmm. great journeys uh, thus far and, and uh, continuing their thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about those early influences, you know, remembering back with, you know, dad growing up in the industry, mom was at home, older sisters that, you know, were looking out for you probably had felt like you had three moms probably at one point in time. What, what, were, <laughs> what were some of those things in early childhood that you remember, you know, that kind of impacted you the most when you, when you thought about work and, you know, what was important to succeed as you as you kind of had, the, you know, connections with the people around you growing up? Yeah, a couple of things there. Thanks for that question, right? Yeah, a couple of things around that uh, early memories for me. One is uh, uh, it, growing up in Appalachia, growing up in, in West Virginia creates the opportunity to uh, to see, observe, engage in, and, and digest yourself a great work ethic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would offer that from an early uh, early age, I had the opportunity to uh, to get to be involved in what was going on, right? To, to get yes. to be part of uh, and uh, I think it's important for uh, for humans, right, uh, of whatever age. But I, I was very uh, I was benefited greatly at, at a young age to get to be part of the solution, right? And uh, f- for some people, right, that that sounds like work. And for for me, even still today, uh, it sounds like getting to solve the problem, right? So right, right. Um, so I remember getting to you know work on. Uh, a number of different things, uh, you know, which created some opportunity for mechanical aptitude around even things like lawnmowers and uh, and <laughs> so forth, and uh, and chainsaws and, and splitting wood for my grandfather and and doing those kind of things uh, that helped me understand um, how things got done really right. in the real right. world. And uh, and shout out to my oldest sister, right? Uh, she 
uh, I think she knew from however young, I don't know that she was going to be a school teacher because I understood uh, the basics of math and how to read long before I ever went to school. Mm. Um, in large part, thanks to her. She, she yeah. would just sit and help me to understand how to do these, these basic things uh, from a very early age. And, uh, and I think I benefited from that, right? I get a head start. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the age gap between you and your oldest sister? Uh, seven years. She's seven yeah. years older than me. Yeah. yeah. So she really was cool a mom. Very somewhere. cool. <laughs> yeah. What about, what about school? You're a good student? Uh, I, I did okay, right? Uh, I, uh, coming along, I, I uh, was able to be pretty quick on the uptake, uh, you know, in, in the early, you know, K through 12 kind of, of schooling. I, I had the great benefit, right? Uh, you know, talked to, to high school for just a minute. I had the great benefit of having uh, to take chemistry uh, from the National Science Teacher of the Year, uh, I played DuPont wow. High School uh, that, that I attended. And Shirley Kelly, uh, God rest her soul, she's passed away. She had great influence mm-hmm. on a lot of uh, young uh, young minds that w- had some aptitude towards a STEM education. And uh, and I, I will tell you why I benefited greatly from her. It wasn't just about chemistry, is that she demanded excellence. Uh, she didn't teach to the lowest common denominator or any other denominator. She demanded excellence of individuals. And if you were capable, then she expected more. And if you were more capable, then, uh, then she wanted to find out where your limits were. And, uh, for, for me, what a, what a fantastic find, right? Uh, and it it just happened to be that, uh, I took chemistry from her, which had a natural progression, right? We'll get into, uh, you know, my vocational yeah, activities yeah. along the way. But uh, she had a great influence uh, on what was to come. With our CEO guests, there's always a person, sometimes it's a parent, but sometimes it's a teacher or a mentor or someone that's a, a former boss that really does provide some of those, you know, key learnings early on that it will really stick with us for life. Yeah, right on. And, uh, and, and we called her Miss Kelly, right? Uh, back in the day, uh, right. but, uh, she, she, she did that for, uh, again, uh, for a couple of generations of people there in that high school. And she, uh, she, she did it her way. Uh, she was wildly successful with it. And, uh, and, and across the hallway to, to be fair, uh, was, was Billy Smith. Uh, she taught, uh, uh, advanced placement biology and anatomy and physiology. And interestingly, in that, uh, that end of that hallway, uh, Brant, the standards were high. Right, <laughs> and, right. and, yeah. uh, and, and, and I yeah. thought it was great because again, she said, how fast can you go? Right. How yeah. fast can you yeah. go? So, so, so let's yeah. find out. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I applaud both of them for not putting a governor on, um, mm. on what the capabilities were by simply, just checking the block and doing the job, they, uh, they tried to push. And, and so I, I benefited uh, greatly from the influence of those two ladies uh, and I yeah. applaud them uh, still today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier, which unfortunately has happened. I think a lot in our public you know, education system is that teaching to the lowest common denominator. Right. And, and, you know, it tends to really get diluted and so many kids get bored because they're not challenged. And I think keeping that bar high uh, is something, unfortunately, that's been lost in, in, in a lot of school systems these days. So uh, right. glad to hear and, that, and, that, um, that lives on. <laughs> yeah, so, some, um, yeah, some uh, that would be true of, not all. And I wouldn't want to paint all the teachers with uh, with one brush or the other, right? Because they're right, all, right. their own individuals, their own uh, their own capabilities, their own aptitudes, their own desires. And let's not forget that they're uh, – 
like like our employees today. They're they're human beings who have uh, influences on them from outside the schools, outside outside of everything that uh, again, as a 16, 17, 18 year old. I didn't understand everything that was going on in their lives, uh, but, yeah. but they brought it for me. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I observed that as, uh, you know, these teachers have lives too and uh, broader impact and, uh, and th- they still have to come and show up and, and deliver excellence. So, um, uh, hat tip to them. What about other activities that uh, were you involved in? Sports, you know, music, theater, debate? I played it all, uh, sports-wise, from an early age, uh, whether it was uh, basketball or uh, baseball or uh, track or football, which football became my uh, my true passion, but um, from, a, from a sporting uh, activity. But I, I played, uh, played football all along the way up to and including uh, a little bit in college, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And wow. it was... Uh, something that was so much fun to me and uh and it made so much sense to me right the theory of the game and understanding and understanding how it should work and why it should work and um i, I credit uh coach Dick whitman um fantastic uh, teacher of leadership and uh, influencer of of young men god rest his soul also he's passed mm-hmm. away but mm-hmm. he uh I, I was uh fortunate enough uh to uh, serve as a team captain uh, under his coaching, and uh, I, I credit him but, you know, very early on. Right, I was a teenager, but uh, but I was a team captain, so he treated me yeah. as a team captain. Yeah. How am yeah. I going to lead this group, and how am I going to lead my peers? And uh, right. and uh, I, and I uh, I offer you know again kudos to him. He um, he had expectations that were not off of uh, <laughs> off the reservation. He had expectations of a young leader uh, to to do the things that were necessary, even if I didn't quite yet understand the theory of leadership. Right, right but uh, right. Awesome. he cool. he, uh, cool. he 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 boosted these things. Great guy. Yeah, awesome. And uh, you know, any kind of entrepreneurial things? Did you have jobs? You know, growing up, were you expected to? You know, eventually, uh, you know, contribute to your education, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, tell me about kind of those high school and junior high years. What What did you do to keep yourself busy after school? I mowed grass all over the town uh, from <laughs> which I uh, I came from uh, during right. a buck as a little kid. Right? I mean, as uh, I, I, However old I was when I started, and I don't remember, forgive me for that, but uh, at a young age, I started uh, started mowing the grass for whomever would let me mow the grass and uh, making a buck that way from yeah, like from, from early on. And uh, then uh, I guess it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings for me to say a brand name, right? Uh, but um, my, my first... A job that I could have, I guess, uh, was uh, at McDonald's. Right, <laughs> oh, cool. I uh, yeah, was, I was yeah. back in the kitchen uh, slinging burgers and and uh, making the fries, doing all the stuff that goes on in a in a fast food kitchen, and right. uh, and did the thing right. And uh, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> folks who are doing that today, uh, God love you, right? It's uh, right. it's a hard job, and it's. It it's just thankless. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I, uh, I learned a lot of lessons there, right. With regards to, uh, having the opportunity to understand the corporate culture, understand, uh, what the standards were, right. Uh, right. and they, they have, you know, a training program that said, these are the standards by which everybody's going to perform and, and, uh, and you do the thing. And, uh, yeah. I worked there for, uh, I think three summers, I think, uh, and, uh, focused largely, uh, largely during the academic years on, um, 
on my studies and, and on sports, uh, which it's kind of hard to fit a third thing in there uh, at that time. Right, right. Awesome. And uh, you were accepted at West Point. Congratulations. And, and thank you for your I, service you. after that. It, it, right c- tell us a little bit about how you kind of determined that, you know, a military career might be the thing for you. Because it, it was, was your father in the service? Did you? My dad was uh, my dad was in the Air Force uh, before I was born. Right. Uh, but I, uh, I, I knew uh, I think I'm a little bit odd this way. Maybe I'm odd in many ways <laughs> for him. But uh, I, I knew early on. Uh, I wanted to go do this thing, right? Uh, I, I either wanted to uh, attend Annapolis or, or attend West mm. Point, and yeah. uh, I think I sent my—I know I sent my first letter uh, to uh, United States senators in eighth grade and said I, I want to go right. do this thing, and uh, and good on them. I got a letter back from one of them based on that first letter that said, uh, you seem like a, a fine young man. Uh, you know, you, you've got to do these things right. Uh, right along the way right. and get, get back in touch with us in a few years. Huh. And so, right. so I did. And this, was that, was that, uh, that Senator, that Congressman, your, your recommendor then at the end? Cause I know that you have was, to have one or two, yeah. I think, right. From your state. I was, uh, I was really, uh, I was really fortunate, um, and blessed to have, uh, you know, a recommendation for appointment to, to, uh, to the academy's plural from uh, from all of my elected officials, both senators and wow. uh, member of the House of Representatives, I'm, I'm very grateful to them for uh, uh, for seeing that uh, that potential in me and creating an opportunity for me to uh, uh, to attend. In the end, as you know, West Point uh, and uh, and really get a jump start um, on life. Uh, coming out of West Virginia and uh, getting on a plane the first time, uh, not to tell too much on myself, but getting on a plane the first time uh, to go to West Point um, was a bit of an eye opener for, for a kid from Kelly's Creek. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but my goodness, what, what, what a fantastic education, what right. a fantastic platform from which to, to dive into life. Uh, from West Point, well-rounded education, very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I studied chemical engineering, right, as a major. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, with a systems engineering minor, but uh, maybe most importantly for uh, for life, uh, we all studied leadership and uh, right. and uh, the demands uh, at West Point, uh, you know, the, the time crunch, uh, the expectations of ethical performance uh, and uh I, I mean, it, it's all great, right? I remember it as very difficult, certainly, but uh, but it was great. And lifelong friendships uh, that I formed mm. under uh, that that bit of a you know crucible for a young person, uh, eighteen to twenty two years old. My teammates from Army football, my uh, my teammates from Army powerlifting, and the Army strength team uh, coming out of there. Uh, still love them, right? And they know yeah, that, right? Yeah. I, I don't right. shy away from right. telling them that. And uh, and uh, we get in touch with each other as often as we can. But nice. uh, West Point's a fantastic platform. If there's a young person who might be listening to this wondering why uh, why it's good, um, I'd love to talk to you. It, it, it yeah, is a, yeah. a, a really uh, great platform that creates leaders of character for our nation um, that you know may serve a lifetime of service uh, in the United States Army or mm-hmm. 
may uh, create an opportunity for them to have a lifetime of service to the nation in, in a different way. So um, for those yeah. for those who don't know, the application process is very rigorous. And as uh, our guest has suggested, you know, you need to have a lot of government support, but it is fully paid for by the U.S. government, which Go is a, yeah, a, yeah. a real nice benefit for four years of the university. Right? It is. And it's, <laughs> um, as I said, it's a... Um, it is a world-class education, uh, and right. you know the the um, you know the folks that I uh, did chemical engineering with uh, was it was really uh, it was difficult. It was early on in the chemical engineering program there, but mechanical and civil engineering have long been at West Point, and uh, and at that time everybody uh, was going to graduate graduate with. Um, an engineering background, right? No matter what, uh, I guess your major field of study was going to be, uh, everybody's an engineer and. And truthfully, um, as you look back on these things, understanding the demands uh, of those things and their teachings around critical thinking, uh, mm. that's the path that it's painting, right? Uh, right teaching right. Uh, leadership, teaching uh, physicality and, and the opportunity to take care of one's health and uh, these great critical, critical thinking skills uh, that are necessary to be successful in just about anything. Um, right. Yeah, that, that's coming uh, straight from there. So six years in the Army following that, that's part of the obligation, right? I mean, you obviously uh, had your tuition paid for, but you also had to serve. You left as a captain. Um, right on. Tours of duty, you know, what, what, tell us a little bit about, you know, those, those six years and, and what, what kind of leadership experience that you received during that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I look back on it with, uh, with a you know, tremendous amount of pride as a mm-hmm. veteran. Uh, and I also look back on it as uh, what, what a fantastic learning ground for, uh, again, a young leader. Uh, yeah. Lieutenant in the Army has the opportunity to lead, uh, you know, the you know, youngest privates who are coming out of, uh, out of basic training and coming into your unit, as well as, you know, 20 plus year veterans uh, who are, you know, are your platoon sergeants, your non-commissioned officers. I, uh, I recognized early on uh, that, you know, the non-commissioned officer corps um, is the backbone of the United States Army and it creates great success for it. And mm. um, I, you, you learn quickly to be unafraid to learn from those uh, over whom you have uh, a responsibility for. Mm. And, uh, and so there's teaching in both directions, you know, tactics, techniques, and procedures that uh, you learn as a young lieutenant that uh, you actually learn from the people you're in charge of that mm. uh, uh, it, it's a really good thing. And uh, so, yeah, my time uh, on active duty as a lieutenant was, you know, 2nd Armored Cav and uh, then in 16th Cav where I commanded. But it, it was uh, it was um, just a fantastic experience. I learned so much uh, from from great people. Uh, and, uh, maybe taught a couple of things uh, right along the way, but, um, <laughs> sure it was, uh, it Overseas was postings as well. Is that uh, part of it? So or were you did, yeah. uh, did a couple of, uh, a couple of assignments sure. in that manner. We did, uh, uh, the mission down in Haiti, uh, when John, uh, Bertrand Aristide was, uh, was taken mm. out of power by his army. We yeah. went down there and, um, as I say it, right, so that I don't uh, paint a picture between Afghanistan and Haiti. They're entirely different animals, uh, right, totally different missions. Uh, and uh, we went down to Haiti and uh, took their weapons from them and put the, the you know, democratically uh, elected uh, uh, person back in power, helped them run mm-hmm. an election, helped them do very hard things and create infrastructure in a country that uh, doesn't have much. And, um, yeah, it was uh, – 
Yeah, great learning ground, though. I will tell you that uh, learning uh, that <laughs> uh, our way of life, right, as Americans, is not necessarily embraced by every culture around the world, right? right? Uh, right. And I, I can remember trying to help uh, you know a group of people um, who. Uh, didn't have much, uh, trying to help them understand that there's a better way, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. a better way to, uh, supply food to, to your people. There's a better way to, yeah, have clean water. Th- this whole thing, right? I, I don't want to speak too long about it, but at the end of the day, right? The, the leader of, uh, this group of people, you know, told me through my translator, uh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah. we don't want all that stuff that you're talking about. Matter of fact, we just want our lives and, uh, yeah. and, uh, you guys uh, go on about your way. So, um, <laughs> that, that was a great learning, right. Uh, but my soldiers, uh, you know, taking them on a deployment, bringing them home safely, uh, extremely important to me. It was great. Uh, uh, and I deployed with, uh, you know, a leader in, uh, then Lieutenant Colonel, he retired as a Brigadier General, uh, Bill Weber, fantastic, uh, example of a leader, um, who, helped me evolve from, you know, kind of a fire breather as a second lieutenant mm-hmm. scout platoon leader to uh, understanding that there's uh, there's a broader picture uh, and, yeah. uh, and a lot more at stake than just one unit. And uh, I, I credit him to uh, also helping me um, migrate from, you know, a right angle world, if you will, to understanding that there's not just black and white, there's, there's gray out there and you have to understand how to deal with the gray because most of life occurs in the gray. Right. And, uh, so he's, uh, yeah, he's just a great guy. Right. And, uh, he helped a lot of lieutenants uh, and a lot of captains, uh, figure out how to, uh, uh, how to lead, right. To know when to be serious and know when to, there's time to relax. And he's the first leader that, uh, that I worked for, um, who was very focused on broadening activities for, uh, for, uh, people with potential, right. Yeah. Who, um, I think from the earliest days saw the opportunity to, uh, take a, a young Lieutenant who had a bunch of potential, who was a hard charger, who wanted to do these things, uh, in, in the military for people that they're, they're working with and for, and uh, create the opportunity to broaden their skill set, right? Uh, not just get promoted, right? Which carried right. on for me fantastically in the civilian sector. But uh, Bill Weber did that for a lot of people where, um, yeah, it, it, teaching people logistics who are uh, on the trigger, right? Uh, and, and helping them to understand why that, you know, the supply chain, uh, imagine that, uh, is so very important to making yeah. everything go. And uh, also, yeah, no, I, I, hopefully you don't mind me uh, naming these people's names, but they're they're uh, they've done so much for me in my life. Even if I only got to be with them for a little while, uh, a guy named Joe Shannon was my first troop mm. commander uh, way back when, and uh, just a great guy, right? Uh, hard charger himself, uh, very focused, very fit, very I mean driven, um, and um, yeah, all the things that you want a cav troop commander to be. And uh, and by the way, his wife Vivian. Uh, was a, you know, a fantastic, uh, uh, person to engage for my wife, right. Uh, to, to get to that, right. Uh, my wife, Lana and I, right. Uh, were assigned to that unit with them, um, you know, from my earliest days on active duty after doing some you know, training after West Point. And Joe and Vivian were, were really great to us, uh, helped us uh, understand, you know, again, there's a lot more out there than just what we had done and uh, right. expand horizons. So, yeah, uh, good yeah, on them. Awesome. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about kind of that transition to the private sector. Now, uh, I know you left after six years. I assume that was a you know honorable discharge at that time. Did you consider yeah. a career in the military? And, and you know, how did you kind of make that decision? You know, do I stay or do I go? And you know, go on to your uh, you know the pastors that you've obviously pursued since then. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, it was a zero doubt in my mind uh, kind of thing from the beginning. I was going to be a, a career military person and, um, and, and something occurred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did honorably leave the military, certainly. Uh, and it was an emotional uh, departure for me. Uh, but the reason was because I love my soldiers so much and I love the mission. I love, I, I, I was uh, passionate for uh, defense of the nation and, uh, and the things that had to get done. But uh, yeah, in, in a prior deployment, uh, my oldest son was born and uh, he was, uh, he was a number of months old before I had the opportunity to hold him the first time. And mm. uh, that was remarkably difficult. Right. Yeah. And uh, then as importantly to that, uh, you know, that, uh, that fork in the road, I was present when our youngest son was born. Mm. I was there right. and right. Uh, had that, uh, that aha moment that many fathers have of yeah. uh, this, you know, I, I'm responsible for these young lives, but right. uh, that right. connectivity to those, uh, those young guys uh, made me recognize, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have to do something different, right? And yeah. uh, and That's be uh, be present for them uh, in so much yeah. as uh, I possibly can be. So awesome. that was uh, that was very much the beginning of uh, yeah. of me thinking about doing a different thing uh, in life in the civilian sector. And, uh, and yeah, and in the end, uh, made the choice uh, for our family. We did as a family made the choice uh, to leave active duty in the military. Right, right. Well, you joined the Bureau Organization, spent about a dozen years there. Great company. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure they actively recruited ex-military, as, as many of these large corporations do. What, what made you decide to choose to join them? So, uh, interestingly, uh, I was hired out of the military uh, into Arco Chemical, um, which uh, they, uh, the um, polyols business associated with Arco Chemical was divested to Landell. Uh, and, uh, with, with that, I went with that acquisition and further, it was acquired by, uh, bear. Right. Hi, bear. And yeah. so I, I became a member of, uh, of bear, the worldwide bear group, uh, through acquisitions and, uh, was very fortunate to get the opportunity to, to work for bear and a uh, great company, uh, worldwide influence. Uh, and, uh, at that time I was able to fall in with the mantra of science for a better life, because that was the intent, right. Of all of the different mm -hmm. Products and, and lines that were offered to uh, humanity from that company, um, and uh, and I got the opportunity, Brent. Uh, again, this was trendable to broaden myself. Right, uh, mm -hmm. I had uh, I was working as an ops engineer um, in South Charleston, West Virginia, at the time, uh, working with some great people. Uh, did all the plants or all the jobs I could do in that plant, uh, and um, and. You know, the leadership of Bayer uh, saw the opportunity to maybe take uh, a person with potential, right, uh, and start to broaden them in different business units across uh, Bayer. And I was, again, very fortunate to have people in leadership who were looking for uh, opportunities to to help people progress. And 
Right. I started to do uh, different jobs um, across Bear, and uh, I, I described myself at that time as a fixer, right? Uh, and wherever the next wherever the next problem was, whether it was a a business problem, a reliability problem, mechanical problem, uh, an HSE problem, uh, finance, what whatever the problem was, um, the next bigger problem showed up for Bear. Um, I was not the only one, right? I don't want to hold myself out that way, but um, whatever the next biggest problem was, uh, they turned to us and I had uh, you know, the great fortune to have a family that was willing to move. And uh, we moved all over the place, right? Just as yeah, we did in the military yeah. and uh, went to solve the next hard problem wherever that was. And uh, right, right. how was it? How was us a little bit about the leadership differences, say, between, you know, leading your military and your soldiers uh, for those six, seven years versus, you know, working in a, a corporate environment? Did, did you find a lot of the principles applied? And if so, what were those? And what were the ones that you perhaps had to maybe tone down a little bit or do a little different? <laughs> right on. Uh, great question, Brand. Yeah, all of them applied. I'll say that. Uh, all of the leadership uh, learnings that I had uh, up until uh, I became a civilian, they all applied and, and so many more that I have learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, as um, yeah, as it were, a couple of things that were really important uh, to understand, which I did understand by the very nature, is uh, civilians don't take orders, <laughs> and uh, they're not they're not going to do it just because you said so. They're going to do it because you made a compelling case to them to uh, understand the reason why this needs to be done, why it's so very important, even though it's hard, and let's work together to accomplish it, which is entirely different than an operations order in uh, in the military. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day. Humans, uh, humans respond uh, favorably to uh, positive leadership, uh, to engagement, to empathy, uh, to caring, uh, caring about the mission and about the individuals. And, uh, you know, all of those lessons, uh, they apply across no matter what business you're in, uh, whether you're in the military or in the chemical industry or, uh, or whatever, right? If you're, if you're leading a, a small army of uh, people mowing grass, at the end of the day, <laughs> Uh, people understand when they're cared for, uh, even if things are hard, right? And uh, so that that that's uh, that's a lesson that uh, yeah, it it, it uh, rolls across all walks of life. Right. Well, you transitioned from Bear to your current role at AVN. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Tell, tell us who AVN is and in your footprint and and what uh, you know customers you serve. Avian Corporation, um, uh, we satisfy uh, commercial research research and development needs in the chemical, environmental, and energy space, as well as advanced software sector. Uh, We service uh, the needs of uh, customers around the world, uh, where we uh, solve the hardest problems that we can get our hands on. Uh, We have a fantastic laboratory setting uh, and pilot plant setting and a burgeoning uh, manufacturing uh, sector in the chemical industry where uh, we have the opportunity, again, to solve the hardest problem of a Fortune 100 company or uh, of a startup and help them de-risk their technology needs uh, from soup to nuts, from the very earliest form uh, of uh, an invention that they need, which we can create, uh, all the way through to deployment of a technology that they need to get in the commercial market. An example of that for everybody who's listening, I think it's topical, but we're very actively engaged in the circular economy associated with plastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, our uh, fant- I, I, I have the great fortune to work with wonderful people uh, in, in the 
the chemical environmental and energy sector right uh, in our company, which we'll get to advanced software in just a second. But these folks are they're world beaters, uh, world uh, beaters uh, as it relates to uh, their fields. Uh, chemical engineers, chemists, uh, technicians, operators, uh, and my business support group certainly. But uh, they are uh, they're amongst the best to hold them up against uh, anyone, anywhere, anytime uh, to to get this thing done. And uh, our team is very actively engaged in a broad spectrum of projects, uh, proprietary projects for uh, for customers uh, all over the place. And and we work on you know front end stuff for uh, for companies that really want to have. Uh, an aggressive stance uh, for years to come. They want to be out in front of the market. They want to have problems uh, solved, inventions created, uh, and, and commercial uh, opportunities made before uh, their uh, their peers in industry even know that they're maneuvering. And uh, and we help them do that, right? And our um, you know one of the things that sets us apart, other than our fantastic people and the uncommon infrastructure in which we work, uh, is the fact that uh, when we solve a problem for someone. The intellectual property that is created by virtue of uh, that invention, that solution, that that migration and process technology, the customer owns. We don't, right? Mm-hmm. And we understand yeah. that uh, through our, our contractual obligations that uh, they own it. They walk away with the intellectual property, and they have a fantastic solution uh, to carry on. Now, let me talk about my my advanced software gang uh, for for just yeah. a minute. We're, you know, the advanced software team as. Uh, yeah, has, as COVID has, uh, you know, changed, modified uh, the method of work right, for so many people around the world, uh, my team works from anywhere, right? So I have uh, people all over the United States uh, who are actively engaged in that business unit, uh, and uh, we're delivering, uh, you know, fantastic solutions for the Department of Energy, uh, uh, specifically right now around NETL. Uh, to uh, for their big data architecture needs, and um, we work on the EDX platform, which uh, we don't need to dive too deeply into. But at, at the end of the day, um, our folks—it's an award-winning organization who um, do deep dives into really the hardest problems uh, of data management, data architecture, and uh, and solution finding out of uh, an ocean of data, right, or data lakes, yeah. as it were. Um, they do a wonderful job with that. Couldn't be prouder uh, of uh, this team. Uh, and prouder of the business support group that supports uh, all of the functional activities around our laboratories, our pilot plants, our manufacturing, and our advanced software organization. They do a wonderful job. Couldn't be prouder. Awesome. How many employees in total at EVM? Uh, so we're uh, bumping up against 100 right now, right, uh, yeah, which cool. is um, in uh, somebody who has worked for a company with uh, 125,000 people, which I have, uh, or, in, you know, in, in the Army, uh, our gargantuan organization. Um, it, it feels relatively small, right? Uh, but, uh, but the reality is for uh, entrepreneurs everywhere, um, entrepreneurs understand that uh, a company of, of nearly 100 people is, uh, is actually not too small, <laughs> as it right. were, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I take the obligations uh, of leading uh, our people, of uh, taking care of our people who are part of our organization uh, once you come in. Um, we take that very seriously. It's very important to us uh, that our people are well cared for, and uh, they're going to do hard things for us, right? They're going right. to uh, they're going to get after it in in the various sectors in which we're engaged, and uh, our commitment back to them in in 
in exchange for all that effort, their, their intellectual horsepower, their prowess, their uh, novel thinking, uh, their critical thinking is uh, we want to create a pathway for them to excel, right? To broaden themselves, yeah. to have a, a better opportunity to understand um, that which they want to understand vocationally and that which uh, they need to understand to satisfy the needs of our customers around the world. And, uh, and you, you note, I say broaden uh, them to create the opportunity for them to be broadened uh, just as other leaders had created that opportunity for me uh, so long ago. Right. And, uh, and, and I still pursue that by the way, right. Continual improvement is part of any leadership journey that anybody's on. I hope um, it certainly is uh, part of mine, but uh, whether. How, how would you say your, how would you say your leadership's evolved over time, you know, from the days of a, of a junior lieutenant, it now to, you know, being in the corner office for the last 10 years or so? Uh, that's a great question. You know, at its foundation, I would uh, would offer that I have learned uh, a lot more empathy um, <laughs> with uh, with my, my, my fellow employees, my fellow uh, engaged uh, people at Avian Corporation and across the, the broader journey. But my level of empathy has uh it was uh, immeasurably changed across uh, this journey and understanding, um, yeah, people are people there. And uh, if you want them to bring their whole selves, their whole solution set to any problem that we face, then there's a level of empathy that has to come back from leadership to, uh, to satisfy many of their other needs. Right. And uh, there, there is, uh, not too many things that are more important than that, right? And uh, yeah, in, in the military, we said you know mission mission first, uh, soldiers always, and and it's right. that you know there's a there's a corollary to that in the civilian sector where you know the mission or this you know, this problem that we're solving, yeah, it's got to be you know it's got to be front and center, right? Uh, it's got to carry premacy as as we would say, uh, but we have to take care of our people. We always have to do that, and if uh, we're not taking care of them. They can't possibly focus on uh, on the problem that we need solved, and so um, yeah. So that that evolution, you know, empathy uh, it creates an opportunity for you to be a better leader, but it creates the opportunity to understand your people better, which goes back, you know, the you know, fundamentals of leadership of knowing your people and employing them in accordance with their capabilities. Yeah, the two of those are tied hand in hand to create an opportunity for success uh, for your people and for your company. Right, that's how it goes. Steve, what do, you, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire at AVN? Yeah, um, that's a great question. First, I want a teammate. <laughs> right? yeah. If we set aside the idea that we have to have technical competency, right, uh, because that's a given uh, in the chemical industry in in, in, uh, in our business, right. uh, you have to have technical competency to be able to do uh, any of the jobs that, that come around in our business. Um, but I want a teammate, right? I want somebody who wants to be in it, not just for themselves. They want to be in it for, uh, the people around them. Uh, and they want to be in it to solve the problem, right? Critical thinkers who are, are passion, have a passion for solving problems. Um, but I want a teammate. It, it's, uh, yeah. it's of critical importance. So, um, that doesn't mean, you know, individual performers or individual contributors aren't important to business because they're abundantly important to business. But I will tell you that any individual contributor who doesn't have teammates uh, wrapped around them, who doesn't have a friend uh, at work, um, they can't possibly contribute at the level uh, that you would want them to. Because, again, you know, people do hard things for other people, right? 
uh, regardless of, of the, the name of the company, people do really hard things for the people around them. And uh, they, they will lean in as hard as uh, they possibly can to satisfy a need with other people that they care about. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so I want teammates, right? They're, uh, and if, uh, if somebody can't be a teammate and they can't see themselves as being a teammate, it's pretty difficult to be part of our company, right? And um, so, yeah, you, you ask for, uh, for that answer. There's a direct one, right? It's very important. I love it. I love it. Well, see, we're just about out of time, but we always have one last question we ask all our CEO guests. And that's what, we're, what kind of career life advice would you give someone that perhaps has their eyes set, you know, become a uh, CEO like you someday? Uh, Dave, thanks for that. Uh, for anybody who wants uh, who wants to end up in a gig like this, right, who wants uh, the opportunity to serve their people and, and to help them uh, be better, I, I say, you know, first and foremost, I say go for it, right? Uh, don't limit yourself with regards to uh, your own expectations being too low. Go for it. Uh, go get it. Understand what the skills that you are. Understand the skills that you need in order to be uh, comfortable and successful in uh, mm-hmm. uh, the role that you want and you aspire to, but go get it. Uh, second, I say broaden yourself. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, again, you know, across our conversation, Brandon, you know, I, I exposed that I had great leaders who were uh, willing to help me understand that uh, narrow doesn't get it done, broad does. And uh, mm-hmm. I say broaden yourself and uh, and go learn the other things that uh, maybe you don't know enough about today <clears throat> that will help you be successful uh, in the future. And the third thing um, is get really comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Um, don't, huh. don't, don't believe that you're going to find yourself in a comfortable spot once you attain – yeah, one rank, one title, one one whatever. Get really uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, find uh, that level of discomfort that is good for you. Um, make uh, make the status quo humble. Um, go after it, defeat it, um, and create a better future by virtue of uh, that. But you have to be uh, you have to be comfortable with uh, some level of discomfort or, or being uncomfortable mm-hmm. in order to achieve great success. So those three things, I, I think, uh, in a nutshell, will, will help people a lot if they'll just do that. Wonderful. Well, Steve Hedrick, Chairman and CEO at AVN Corp. Thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. I'm grateful to you for having me on, and uh, hopefully this will help uh, somebody, uh, anybody, just a little bit. And uh, and for anybody who's listening who'd like to be a teammate of mine right at AVN Corporation, look us up. We uh, have a fantastic group uh, with which to work, and, uh, and we love to solve problems. So uh, everybody have a great day, and uh, thank you again, Brent, for having me on. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 